Happy Christmas to you. Oh, it's so good. Good to see you here. It's family Sunday, so it's good to have all the kids with us sitting at the big table. Okay, good. A couple of announcements before we dive in. Um, One is, my name is Tom. Nice to meet you. Uh, Next, uh, more importantly, Bethany 101 is what we call uh, our chance to uh, sit down and know a little bit about what makes us tick, a little bit more about our DNA. If you are interested in um, becoming a member or just kicking the tires and finding out uh, more about what goes on here and why, um, then at the 1030 service, right out these doors and down those stairs is a big youth room. Um, and you're going to be down there if you want to uh, with elders Josh and Edward, and they're great, and it's casual, and it's a good time to just ask some questions and get them answered. So that's during the 1030 service. If you want to join us, Bethany 101. Our Christmas schedule. Okay, things get crazy and crazy good. So this week and next week, we're just normal, 9 and 1030. But next week, the 11th, we will not have college lunch. Why? Because we're having community dinner. This is going to be the big, the epic, the blowout. Everything good about what we used to do here and breaking the fire code because there's too many people. We are now going to do at the Fred Field Center on steroids. So there are invitations that look like this um, that are on the welcome booth. Take as many as you want. Invite everybody breathing. There's going to be a big ad in the shopper on Wednesday. We just don't want, we want people blessed, you know. And uh, we're going to feed them well, we're going to joy them well, we're going to love them well, and we're going to encourage them. And um, so be part of that. And the reason we're not having um, college lunch is because there's a limit to how much Bethany food you can eat in a day without them changing our tax status to restaurant. So that's what we're doing. Uh, invitations to this are on the, on the booth. Now, after that, you guys have exams, right? So our Western students go home to their own families and and we love them and we pray for them and we send them. Um, So the three weeks from December 18th through January 1st, there's only a 1030 service. And I tell that to you because you're used to coming to the nine and you get to sleep later during the break, okay? Then when they come back, starting on the 8th, um, we're gonna be back to two services and all the joy and all the goodness. And then Christmas Day, um, we're going to have a 1030. Um, and, and you guys can do stuff on Christmas Eve. Community does a beautiful service there if you want to do a Christmas Eve. But Christmas morning, man, we're your place. We're going to have a great time as a family. Good. Okay. Um, why does Bethany exist? Now, um, if you would, sit up, clear your throats. And if you would, then read this with me. Loud and proud to be a growing. I'm not, okay, let's start, let's start again. Let's pretend we didn't do that, ready? To be a growing, relevant family of missionaries who desire to see Gunnison and Western know Jesus Christ. If you had any question about who we are and what we're about, that is it. Um, if you want to be hanging with us, and I hope you do, then you too should be about this because that's what we're about. We are going to be 
incessant in our emphasis of doing that. That's who we've been, who we've been called to be for a long time. Because um, just a preview for Bethany 101, we love people, we love Jesus. So it makes sense that we're obsessive about getting people connected to Jesus so they can know how much he loves them. We believe that we as individuals, that we as a church body are here in this valley, not by chance, not by choice, but by being chosen to be here for a time such as this so that the people that we know, the people that we love, the people in our community and our college might be introduced to the God who loves them incredibly much, who regardless of how broken they're convinced they are, regardless of how um, disqualified they feel for, for God's best, they would know the God who came for them, who lived for them, who died for them, who rose for them, for their joy, for their forgiveness, for their ever-increasing life. And we are obsessive about that. Um, we say here that we would do anything short of sin to make that happen. Why? Why? Why we feel this way? Because Jesus is the only hope of the people in our city and the people at our university. He's the only hope of my life. He is the only hope for all of these things. You know, um, I'm just going to leave script and say our lives, if you look around, they're a consistent pursuit of something that will make us satisfied and content. And you will never take the vacation to end all vacations. You will never have the meal to end all meals. You will never climb the mountain to end all mountain climbing. You won't have the shredding session to end all shredding sessions. You will always need and want more. And we are in a continual state of discontent until our hearts find the contentment they were created to have in him. That's who we are. And that's why we're passionate that anybody that we love, that the idea, can you get an idea of everybody in this little burg, this little town, this, this little university, one in Christ, that is so beautiful. That, that picture is so wonderful that, that it's irresistible to us. And the thought of any one of them having a Christless life day, a Christless eternity, a hopeless eternity, is just too awful for us to imagine. So that's what we do. So here's a question. Is this even possible? And if it is possible, how? How can, that's what we're talking about today. So, so kids, I know you got a worksheet and, and the biggest part of it all the way on the left, is, I think it says everybody's home. Everybody's home. Okay, so what I'd like you to do in that section is draw a picture of the greatest party you could ever imagine, right? Where Jesus is there and everybody in this town, everybody in the college is there. It's the greatest party with Jesus in the middle of it, okay? Everybody's home. That's what we're going for. Okay, let's go. Today, um, Jesus is going to send his friends out on a road trip. It's actually a mission trip. And there's a lot there for us. There's a lot of encouraging stuff there for us. And so we're going to take a look at it. If you have your Bibles, would you open them to uh, Luke chapter 9? If you don't have a Bible, you'd like to follow along with us, 
Check under one of the seats in front of you. We have a lot of those brown hardbacks out there. Grab one of them and flip to page 984. That's, that's where you're going to be in Luke chapter 9. Think, if you don't own a Bible, or you don't have one that's in language that you could read or doesn't have big picture, and you want one, you got it. That is yours. You take that. You, you read it. You keep it. Look, the Bible is the only book that when you read it, it reads you, right? So try it out, okay? Here we go. Uh, we're going to take it from the top. Luke 9, we're kicking it off in verse 1. Here we go. Okay. And he called the 12 together, and he gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. Okay. And he called. Now, just the kids. Just the kids. We're going to play a little game I call Who He? Who He? Who are we talking about? Who is the He here? Kids. Who are we talking about? Jesus. Amen. There you go. You always gets Jesus in church. Yes, you do. He gives them power to bless and to heal people. Did you see that? He did. Verse 2. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. Jesus sends them out and he says, bless people and then introduce them to me so I can bless them even more. Like you're going to show and you're going to tell. You're going to show people the good news and then you're going to tell them the good news about me. Why does he care? Because Jesus is interested in more than just people's souls. I mean, of course he's interested in that, but Jesus created us as whole, connected, holistic people, and he cares about the whole person. Why? Because when you love someone, think about somebody you love, you care about everything that affects that person. Jesus wants people blessed from the head, uh, top of their head to the bottom of their feet and everything in between. He cares about the whole person. And so should we. So, so is it any surprise that he sends people out? He says, bless people, heal people. Tell them about the blesser and healer so they can have even more. But you're going to show and you're going to tell. And we're going to talk more about show and tell in just a minute. Okay, so on to verse 3. Jesus says, <coughs> said to them, and take nothing for your journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, and do not have two tunics. Don't, don't take lots of shirts. Don't do it. Jesus is saying, pack light. Don't pack a big suitcase. Maybe they charged for checked luggage back then too. I don't know. But um, here's the thing. Seriously, he's saying it's not about what you need on this journey, okay? It's about the people you're going to and what they needed. Here's what you need to know. I got you both covered. Uh, I got you both covered. Here's what you don't need to go out and show the good news and tell the good news. Here's what you don't need. A special education, a seminary degree, a white shirt, black tie, and a bicycle. You do not need that. A title, a fog machine, and strobe lights. Not needed. They're kind of cool, but you don't need them. Why? Because Jesus is all about authentic. He's all about real. He, he originated keeping it real, dog. Because if it ain't real, it ain't worth doing. Right? If you need flash to cover over the message, the message, look, the message is, is good enough. The man behind the message can carry it all. So you keep it real. You don't need 
a lot of stuff. That's what he's saying. Keep it simple, authentic. It keeps you dependent on him. Not on stuff that you earn. Not that you have a title or an office. You have him and that's all you need. Okay, verse four. This is important. You gotta take a look at this because like for so long I missed this. But this is the key. This is the key here. He says, whatever house you enter, which means like whoever welcomes you on this trip, whatever, whoever welcomes your message and you stay there and from there depart. Doesn't mean stay and leave, stay and leave. He means stay there the whole time. When you're done, leave there. Stay there. That does not mean go couch surfing. That does not mean that. That's creepy in this culture and ours. It just is. What does it mean? It means focus on the people who are, will you say those two words with me? Spiritually receptive. Focus on the people who are spiritually receptive. We're going to talk a little bit about that. What about the people who are not? He talks about, and wherever they do not receive you, when they don't, they, they're just not into it. You leave that town, you shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. Look, rejecting Jesus not wanting anything to do with, with God. Look, you know, you know you're not going to hate on these people, but that is serious business. That is serious. When the God of the universe bends down and says, even you in all your wreckage, I want a relationship with you and I'm covering all the stuff you need covered. I'm taking that upon myself. You don't want anything to do? Yes, that's serious. But shake it off. Shake it off. Literally, shake off. You thought Taylor Swift came up with that. She did not. She said, shake it off. Don't let it rob you of your joy. Don't let it rob you of your zeal. Not, don't let it rob you of your love for them. Don't let it rob you of your enthusiasm. You're not going to focus on those people. God's not onto that yet. We're going to talk about that. And then, then here, here's verse six. And then, then we're going to go back. That's it. Okay. Um, and they departed. Check this out. They, and went through the villages, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Everywhere. Now, okay, um, Jesus said, you check this, Jesus said, go do this. And his followers went and did it. Okay, so if you're planning on sleeping through the rest of the message, just, just get this before you doze off. Get this, because this is deep. Here it is. People who follow Jesus actually do what he tells them. Okay, that's deep. That's deep. Why? Because most of us don't. <laughs> because most, people who follow Jesus actually do what he tells them. Okay, good night to some of you. Okay, that's it. That's just deep. I don't care who you are. That, that's just deep. And if we did, we'd be a lot better off. Okay, let's dig in. How many, how many disciples was Jesus talking to? This is not a trick question. Not, somebody just said Jesus. Okay, it works most of the time. Okay, how many did he have, right? 12, amen, a dozen. How many did he send? 12, not five, not eight, not 10. He sent 12. He sent all of them. You're gonna follow me, you're gonna get sent because that's what he do. That's what he does. He calls us, he fills us, he sends us. Why? Because he wants everybody in. Because all that stuff I talked to you about, about the beauty of having everybody connected and filled in, in Christ and, and, 
the, the heartbreak over, over them having a life without life and hope without hope. Huh? That's all, that's all born of him. That's, that's his heart. That's why. He sends us all out, right? He sends us all out. He's given us the same instructions he gave the 12. But here is what he did not say to do. Here's not what he did. Jesus didn't say, go be the God police. Did you see him? Did Jesus didn't say, go win an argument. He didn't say, go make people feel guilty. Go tell people bad news. Go change people's behavior. Now, you would not guess that he did not say this by looking at a lot of Jesus followers. But when he looks, when you look at Bethany people, I would hope you do not see this because he did not say to go do this. What did he essentially say to do? He said, go heal and bless people and tell them about me so I can heal and bless them. Right? Show and tell. Show and tell. Right? Just be their joyful servant. The world does not have a file to put joyful service into. You go to somebody and you love on them and you just want to meet their needs and not take something from them, but just bless them. No agenda. No agenda, right? They don't have a file to put. It unclenches their fists. It opens their mind. It, it, it opens their heart to what, what you have to offer. Give them a taste of what they crave by blessing their lives. And then when they're hungry for more, you just tell them where you found it in Jesus Christ. This is why we do so much of what we do. This is why we're doing the Christmas banquet. That's why I want you to please like invite anybody who has a pulse. We want to give them blessings in their lives. Give them the things that they need so that they may be open to to wanting the God that they need, right? And, and God cares about all of their needs. So, so we're doing that. That's why we're doing the giving tree. I don't know how many of you know about the giving tree, but that's going to be the tree right there. And um, what we do around this time of year is we want to be a blessing to our town and to our university in ways that are um, financial, uh, provisional um, I mean, people. We want to want to bless them with whatever they need. They may need clothes. They may need food. They may need toys for their kids that they can't afford. They may need rent. They may need um, wood for warmth. They, who knows what they need? But we want to, we want to do to the best of our abilities, provide that. You say, I don't care whether they come here. I don't care if they don't go anywhere. I don't care if they hate God. I don't care. We just want to love them. We want to provide for them. Here's the thing. We don't know everybody. But everybody in here knows somebody and what they need. And, and, and look, maybe it's you. And if it's you, that's okay too. I'm not asking to out you. What we're doing is we're, I'm, going to, I'm going to hand these cards. I'm just going to give a pile to every section. And not everybody has to take one. But you know if you know somebody, right? You just pass these around. If you know somebody... You just take one and fill out the information. And then we're going to take this stuff and we're going to do this stuff. We're going to bless these people in just beautiful ways that they need. So if you know somebody, you take one of these cards. Um, we'll have an opportunity when you come up for the Lord's Supper to put them in here, right? If you need more time, just make sure we get them back by next Sunday, right? You can put them in the, in the, in the welcome booth. Make sure everybody gets one of these if you, if you want to fill it out. But that's how we know, okay? Just in our community, in our college, right? 
We don't have the means to, to do it in your hometown or something like that. But we want to be a blessing. And, and you don't be afraid of putting something radical down there that they need. Okay? They're going to lose their house. We need to know that. We don't know if we can fix it all, but we're going to do everything God, God puts us in a position to do. Okay, that's why we do this. Okay, kids, show and tell, middle picture. How can you show your friends? How can you tell your friends? Draw a picture of that, how much Jesus loves them. How are you going to show and tell? Because that's what we're going to talk about. That's what our parents, your parents are going to talk about. We need to do both. We need to show. We need to tell. What happens when we tell but don't show? Tell, but don't show. People have people try to tell me and didn't show me, and I didn't have any time for that, right? When when all the good news is my mouth and it isn't my life, right? Then I'm not I'm not interested in what you have to say. People say people don't care what you know until they know that you care. That's true. So we can't just tell and not show. On the other hand, we can't just show and not tell, right? We can't just uh, meet people's needs in the ways that we're just talking about and not tell them about the great need meter, right? If we only show but don't tell, then we end up with people who have their financial or emotional or, uh, or physical needs met, and that's good, but they're still lost and hurting in the deepest way, and that's bad, right? So we got to show and tell. That's why he says, go out and heal, go out and bless, and go out and tell them the good news that I'm here, that I'm here for them, right? But so many of us, that, that telling part, right, it makes us nervous. It makes us nervous. So we don't, that's why, that's why this expression is so popular. You've seen this? Preach the gospel at all times. And if necessary, use words. They attribute that to St. Francis of Assisi. You may have this on a hot plate or a mug at your house. There's only two problems with this. Number one, St. Francis of Assisi never said it. He never said it. This is a man who was a passionate and tireless preacher of the gospel as he fed people. He would preach in five plus cities a day until he lost his voice and he delivered. He showed too. He never said this. Number two, it's not scriptural. It disagrees with the wisdom of God, with the words of of Jesus. Look, here's the scripture in Romans. How then will they call on Jesus in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him whom they've not heard? And how are they to hear without somebody telling them, without somebody preaching, without somebody telling Words are always necessary. But you've got to show too. We've got to show. We've got to tell. That's right. That's how it goes. But Jesus knows that we would be nervous. He knows that we would have a problem with this. So he takes the pressure off. He takes the fear off. Look what he does in verse 4. We're going to go back because this is, this is really the coolest thing. Talk about evangelism. I used to bring consider message of evangelism. You're going to get beat up. You're going to get shamed. You're going to get like brow. No, no, no. Jesus is taking the pressure off you. And whatever house you enter, whoever welcomes you, stay there. And from there, depart. Now, there's so much right there. What he's saying is, look, you're going to focus on the spiritually receptive. He's saying, in a sense, I am out there 
already invisibly working on people's hearts who have no explanation about why. I picked them out and I'm pressing in on them. I am wooing them to myself. And, and you're going to join me in this. You're going to find out who these people are. And you're going to join me and go through the doors that I'm opening. This is how it happened for me coming to Christ. Um, uh, I just moved to New Orleans. I'm in high school. Now, I'm unpacking boxes. There's this Bible that my grandfather, who is deceased, used to own. It is like in a language that's very hard to understand. And, and yet, for some unexplainable reason, every day during the summer, I can't put this thing down. I can't put this thing down. I had not heard the gospel. I did not know God. But I can't put this thing. He's doing something in my heart. Months later, somebody told me I could have a personal relationship with this God who has been seducing me. Of course. Of course I said yes. When the fruit is ripe, you don't have to yank it. You, you almost just touch it. Right? Spiritually receptive. That is what we're talking about. Look, it works. It works. Look, I was, it's uh, summer of 1987, and I was uh, uh, an actor in a summer stock company in um, New Orleans, and I was uh, a buddy of a guy um, named Eddie who was phenomenally more talented than I ever was, uh, went on to star in the uh, Ocean's Eleven movies, um, and we were working every night. And so our days were free. And so that was perfect to go do some research on what are the best shrimp po' boys in the city of New Orleans. And there are many. There are many. So what Eddie and I would do most days is pick out another dive bar restaurant and go eat like fried shrimp sandwiches. And, and this is where I was headed. Um, it was a Wednesday just before noon, and it's a 25-minute drive. He was coming from another part of the city, so I'm going to meet him there, and we're going to go have sandwiches. And I had prayed for Eddie because I knew he was going through some stuff, like in his life, and I prayed that eventually I would have the right opportunity to to tell him about Jesus, right? And um, I'm just getting in this drive, like this incredible sense that Jesus somehow feels like today is the day that I'm supposed to tell Eddie. And I politely explained to Jesus that um, I didn't think that today was particularly the day because I was not feeling particularly spiritual. Today, I was feeling mostly hungry. Maybe you can relate. Jesus as it turns out, had other plans. He was like a dog with a bone. He would not know today, Tom, I have been working in his heart. I have been working in Eddie's life. I am ready. He is ready. And I'm like, I am not. (laughs) So I decide that I am going to um, negotiate with Jesus, which I do not recommend you do because you will always lose. And so I say, okay, okay, Jesus. Like, this is verbal. I'm not hearing it verbal, but I know what he's saying. And I say, Jesus, you know I love you. You know I love Eddie. And I am, I am willing to tell Eddie about you. But, 
And then I try to bargain with him. I will not recommend that you bargain with Jesus because he didn't, that he just laughs at you. He just laughs at you. Um, so I said, I will do it under one condition. You have to give me an obvious clue, a cue, right? I have to, this has to be really, really clear. Otherwise, I'm going to sit there. I'm going to eat my sandwich. Deal? And I think he said deal, but I'm not sure. Then I get there, and there's Eddie. It's just like every other day we have done this. We get our sandwiches. We sit down. Before I can open up the paper, he looks at me serious as a heart attack. He says, Tom, I know you're a Christian. And for some reason, on my heart, I just... I just feel I'm not right with God. And for some reason, I have never felt this way. I just want to be right with God. Do you have any idea about how I can get right with God? And I just pictured Jesus at this huge grin going. <laughs> and I said, well, funny you should ask. And then I explained to Eddie, um, what Jesus had done for me that, and what he was willing to do for him, that he came because he would never reach up high enough. He came down for him and loved him and lived for him and then take all the junk in his life and put it on himself and went to the cross as Eddie's substitute for his sins so that he could be forgiven, washed clean and erase all that relational distance that he's feeling between him and God, past, present, future, forever. And right there, Eddie said, that's what I want. And he prayed with me to receive Christ while our sandwiches sat there. And then with tears streaming down our face, we eat these cold shrimp sandwiches, which were somehow the best that we'd ever tried. And Jesus knew it all along and tried to tell me, but I was reluctant. But the key is that Eddie was receptive because God was already at work before anybody had said anything. So receptive trumps reluctance. So if you're reluctant, just be the least bit open. It can work. It will work. It's amazing. Jesus takes the pressure off. And fear, he says, find out who I'm already working on. Pour into them. Don't worry about those who are not open right now. They're not ready yet. I haven't forgotten them. Look, kids, you got another space. It's called Jesus reaching my friends, right? I want you to draw a picture of Jesus reaching out to your friends. And then you following, you know, how you can do that. Okay, I'm going to talk to your folks because some of us here are worried about somebody that we love who wants nothing to do with the gospel, who wants nothing to do with Jesus Christ, what do you do? What do you do? You love them and you pray for them and you're there for them, right? But you can't change their hearts. You can't change their hearts. It's not your job. It's God's job and he is on it. He is on it. And I know that this can tear you apart because it tears me apart about some people. Look, and, and some of the people we love are just so resistant that they're going, you know, they're just going to have to go a ways more to feel the pain of living apart from 
Jesus, apart from his love, apart from his peace, apart from his forgiveness, apart from his joy, apart from the light, apart from, they're going to have to feel that more deeply before they're willing to even consider receiving him and, and surrendering to him and finding ever increasing life in him. You know, sometimes we just beat ourselves up, but we understand this about other things, right? Don't we understand this about friends or family members who were caught in an addiction? Have you ever loved an alcoholic? Have you ever? Like, what, what, what do you do? You, you, you can love them and you should. You can pray for them and you, and you should, but, but you go pouring out their bottles, right? Why? Why? You're wasting your time. You're wasting their money because they're not really going to accept your help until they get to the point where they decide that they've reached that point, right? It's the same. It's the same with spiritual receptivity. It's trying to, if you want to look the quickest way to drive yourself crazy as, as a pastor, as a minister, as a counselor, as a friend, as a parent is try to help somebody change who does not want to change. You will lose your mind. You will lose your mind. Look, do you know, do you remember the part in the scripture where Jesus said, break down the doors of the people who want nothing to do with me and shove the gospel down their throats? Do you remember that? Of course you don't. Because he never said it. He never said it. It's his job and he is on it. Look, the father of the prodigal knew this. The father of the prodigal. If you don't know the story, even if you do, the son takes half of everything dad has and goes and runs away from home. And he spends it on partying and loose women and and all kinds of stuff that's destructive, right? Now, does the father run after him and continually browbeat him by telling him how stupid he is? And he is. Does he do this? No, he does not. Although he would have every right to, he doesn't do it. What does he do? What does the father do? Here's what dad does. He waits, he loves, he prays, he trusts, and he waits some more. But then there comes a day when he sees his boy, whom he has always loved, broken, right? who has gotten to the point where everything that he thought would satisfy him has left him empty and he is coming down the road. Then when he sees that his son, God has brought him to be spiritually receptive, then he runs, then he loves, then he covers him with grace. But he wasn't even ready to receive that until he got to that point. I'm not saying to go down the road until you, I'm just saying for those who love your, your prodigals, God wants them home more than you do. Wait, love, pray, trust, wait some more. It's hard. It's hard. But in a relationship, and this is it, relationship between them and Christ, you got to have love. You got to have want to on both sides. And God wants to cultivate the want to, right? He opens doors. We run through them. We don't bust them up. How do I find spiritually receptive people? Good question. Pray for them. Pray that you would see, love them, serve them, talk to them about what Jesus has done in your life. See if they have any interest, right? People who describe themselves as spiritual and not religious might be spiritually receptive. Do they talk about spiritual things, right? Pour into that, press into that. Maybe invite them here. 
You're having problems with the words. I talk way too much. Bring them here. They always have a good time at Bethany. I'm always blessed when I come there. Come with me. Check it out. I'll buy you a free lunch. It's the college lunch. Take it. Don't <laughs> Invite them to the, to the Christmas dinner. Like there is zero creep factor at that. It's a lot of food, a lot of fun, and then a lot of blessing. Invite them to that. That's why we do these things. Fill this out. Press into them. Look, Jesus, here's the truth. Jesus, right now, is right now working on the heart of someone in your family, at your work, a neighbor, a classmate, a teammate. Pray that you would see where he is working and join Jesus in calling them home to him. This is not about arm twisting and trying to get somebody to do what they're not wanting to do. It's finding the people God is already cultivating and and joining him in what he's doing. You just close it a deal. He's already negotiated. He's already created it. Here's, Here's how Rick Warren put it. It's beautiful. Spiritual receptivity comes and goes in people's lives like an ocean tide. People are more open to spiritual truth at certain times than others. Many factors determine spiritual receptivity. God uses a variety of tools to soften the hearts and prepare people to be saved. He, he goes on to say that there are two types of people that, that he notices and, and, and that we, we notice too um, that are spiritually open. People in transition. When things change... In people's lives, they are more open to things that do not change because change, even positive change, can be overwhelming and they are more open to spiritual things. Maybe it's a new marriage or a divorce. Maybe it's a new baby. Maybe it's a new home, job, or school. Maybe it's a new town. Maybe they're moving. That's how it happened to me. I left everything familiar and then was open in a way I had not been before to what was not familiar, which was life and light and joy and years later, I can't shut up about it, okay? Other thing, people in transition, who, who else is spiritually open? People under tension, people under tension. Relationship, breakup, or a marriage, divorce, or struggle, sickness, or death of a loved one, unemployment, failure, or struggle in school, financial problems, wanting freedom from addiction, or the pain of depression, loneliness, or guilt. They want an anchor or an island of safety. That's, that's our God. That's coming home. So use these opportunities to find out who is spiritually receptive. Okay. Um, God is on the job. He opens doors to people's hearts. And, and this is one that, you know, this is the, this is the scripture here. No one, Jesus says, can come to me unless the father, God, the father who sent me draws him, draws her. Nobody comes to me There's not like an evangelist that God doesn't do 99% of the work ahead of time. Nobody, not you, not me, not anybody came to Jesus before God said, ooh, that's mine. Come on, come on. In so many ways. And so that is happening. Take heart. It's somebody that you know, somebody that you care about. God is already wooing. And you just want to tap into that and be used to that. And if we do that, then that vision that we talked about, about everybody knowing, about everybody worshiping, about everybody being blessed. Look, I don't care if they ever come to Bethany. Don't get me wrong. I don't care whether they become Baptist. I don't care. I don't care whether they vote the way I vote. I don't care if they eat the way I eat. I don't care if they dress the way I dress or, or, or listen to the music I like or, or not or whatever. I want them home. 
when I'm home with the God who created them for relationship with himself, okay? This isn't about joining our church. It's isn't about building our numbers. It's isn't about getting more money. I don't give a rip when people home. And that means every church in this town is going to have to blow up. Blow up. And you should be praying for them. You should be praying for everybody, everybody who's proclaiming the gospel. Well, they ain't our enemies, man. We're all on the same team. Okay? Some of you were asking, you're here this morning, you say, is God the Father drawing me to Jesus? Is, is God doing this in my heart? Maybe you're on the outside looking in. You're one. Look, I don't know the answer to your question. I can give you a clue. I can give you my, my perspective. You're here at Bethany or you're listening to this podcast on a Sunday where the gospel is being presented clearly. When you could do any one of a thousand other things, You are hearing the truth of God's love for you and his outstretched, nail-pierced hand inviting you into relationship when you could be doing other things, and many people are. So I would say chances are good, yes. God the Father is drawing you to Jesus. The question is, will you be like my friend Eddie who said, that is exactly what I've been looking for my whole life. That is exact, that is my life. And I've been missing out. Will you accept the invitation? If so, today we got people who will pray for you, who will pray with you, who can help you take that step. You come, you do it. The rest of us go, show, tell, start. Look, when we talk about the whole university, we talk about the whole town. These are people, start with one person. If everybody who, who names the name of Christ says there's, just reach one. People, they would be writing articles about what is going on in this mountain town. What is going on at the secular university where people are just coming in droves to Jesus, right? Go show, tell, start with one person. Join Jesus, what he's already doing to draw everyone in Gunnison and at Western to himself. I pray I live long enough to see this. I do. This is our dream, but it's not ours. It was gifted to us by our God. And you can hang with us as long as you want, but don't try to dissuade us from this call because that's why we were put here. That's why we live here. That's why God chose this quirky, weird town, this small universe to put Jesus followers in because he wants everybody home. So love them, go, show, tell. And when you do, when you do, you will find life, your life, and the life of this community and the life of this wonderful university the way that it was meant to be. Oh, you clap, clap, clap for God. He's good. He is good. So when you, look, we're going to have a time of the meal. This is like the ultimate show and tell of God's love. And he started it, right? So he's not going to just tell us. He's going to show us. He's going to demonstrate for us. This is the meal. And Jesus was with his 
disciples in there. This is the night before he did the showing, right? He said, I, I'm going to go for you and my body is going to get ripped to shreds because, because I love you. And I'm paying the price of God's wrath on sin. I'm taking it upon my sinless self. My body is going to be broken so that you can be part of my body, healed and alive forever. And you take this and you eat this. When you eat anything, shrimp po' boys or a sandwich or a piece of pizza, you just remember that I am your food. I'm your provision. I love you. And, and after dinner, he took the cup again. He said, thank you to his father in heaven who was drawing all people to himself. He says, this, this is my blood. I'm holding nothing back. I'm bleeding it all out for you. One drop of my blood covering your sin will make you whiter than snow for all eternity, but I'm pouring it out, all of it, because I want everybody home. There's enough forgiveness here for every war, for every atrocity, for every, for every evil in the world. This is greater. And I'm pouring it out. Don't waste it. Take it for yourself. This is for the thirst of all people who will try desperately to satisfy with everything other than me. Tell them, stop your wandering and come. Look, uh, if you belong to Jesus Christ, we are all mutts here. <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter if you're Baptist, Catholic, Methodist, Presbyterian, nothing. Um, if your heart belongs to Jesus, this meal belongs to you. If you're still not sure, then don't do the symbol before you do the substance. You know what I'm saying? Cross that line of faith before you celebrate this, okay? There'll be time for that. You come up and you pray. Look, we're going to have people pray. And I know um, Paul will come up. Alita will come up. Jamie will come up. Sheree will come up. I will be here. We're just going to be sitting all along here. Okay? Now you, if you want prayer, you got to cross this line. There, we'll pray with you. Maybe you want boldness to go show and tell. We will pray with you. Maybe you had a tough week. We will pray with you. Maybe you got a tough week coming. We will pray with you. Maybe you just want blessing. And we will pray with you. we got to get past the point where people will come up with prayer and say, Oh, I'm, I'm afraid they won't think I'm a Christian. No. Christians are addicted to this. Maybe I just need a blessing. If I wasn't praying with people, I'd be praying. I'd be asking for it. Get blessed. If you need prayer, you come. And then you come and you eat this when you're ready. And you got these cards and they're filled out. You put them here. We're going to bless people. I love you. I've gone too long. Um, let's do this. You do this when you're ready, right? Okay, let's, let's get our prayers up here. Let's, let's, let's do some business. Let's get blessed.